1: Listen, guys, I got something special just for my listeners. If you follow me, you know I usually don't hawk products. I stick to the issues important to you and me, but I think I can't keep this to myself. You may want to check this out and get in on the ground floor before everyone else jumps on the bandwagon. Now, this is just for you, my listeners. I joined up with Team Earth Order. Earth Water is a company that is faithful based and patriotic earth water is an amazing water it will soon be the rage of the nation and is going worldwide it has over 70 antioxidants and minerals it's good trust me i already sleep better i dropped one of my prescriptions and i'm possibly looking to maybe drop another one soon so ask yourself do you want to make a few extra bucks on the side while getting healthier who doesn't so if so check out the Earth Water link on my home page at Southern Sense. That's the name of the show. Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. All right, and we're here live. You're here live listening to Southern Sense here on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, The Lone Star, Dairy News. Up on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeart, oh, the heck with it. Just go to the name of the show, put a hyphen in the middle, dot com. I'm your hostess with the most the radio chick, Annie, along with my debonair and erudite co-host, Curtis C.S. Bennett. Curtis, we got a rockin' and rollin' show today.
2: It sure looks like it, and I'm looking forward to um, hearing our guests speak and hearing what they have to say.
1: We've got two powerhouses. We've got uh, Valerie Greenfield. She's got a new book out. It's titled Backyard Jihad, How Parents Can Detect the Threat of Radicalization. Uh, We also have, at the same time, my buddy Trevor Loudon, and he's got some new projects out about uh, communists in this upcoming election and several other things, some other fat in the fire he's got going on so it's going to be a really fantastic show want to welcome everyone that is listening here uh up on blog talk radio also up listening on itunes and you know what i forgot to do (laughs) genius me i forgot to put it up on youtube i oh wonderful smart (laughs) brilliant annie (laughs) i've got it going up on facebook and i forgot to pull up the uh youtube video itself so I'm just pulling that up now. So for those that were looking for it, it is up and running on YouTube. And I'm going to patch it over to uh, a couple of other places, too. So uh, just bear with me as I do that. You well, know, too many things. go. I need someone here in the studio sitting next to me, slapping me on the head <laughs> and say, Hey, Annie, get your act together and uh, post it where you're supposed to be posting it. Now it's up on Me Way, one way, and now going up on Gab. So those who are listening over there can catch up to what this dummy has done. So I've got it all going. Yeah, anyway. I'll,
2: I'll send a clone I'll send a clone of me over to help
1: you. <laughs> oh man. Uh we've got some some great stuff coming up, but let's start off the show the way I should have been starting it off. Um, those that know us know that we start off each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero and today's dedication is going to go out to a police officer rodney scott smith of the hickman police department in kentucky his end of watch was friday march 2nd of this year and this is from the fallen heroes uh, page and it reads hickman police department officer rodney smith died in the line of duty as he patrolled a heavily flooded roadway. Searchers located his body in a flooded field following a massive overnight search. Officer Smith, 45, was on duty on Friday night when he contacted a dispatcher around 9.15 p.m. to report that he needed a tow truck for his patrol vehicle, which was in a ditch off the roadway. Hickman City Manager James Gray told the Seattle Times, A short while later, he contacted the dispatcher again and said that his patrol car had been swept away by the floodwaters of a creek. He said that he had exited the vehicle when it began to sink. A witness reported having seen the officer climbing onto the roof of his vehicle before he and the SUV were swept away in the current, KFVS reported. Emergency personnel from over 20 agencies searched for the officer overnight and ultimately located him and his vehicle at approximately 5 a.m. on Saturday. Officer Smith was pronounced dead at the scene by the Fulton County Coroner, Kentucky State Police Detective Jody Cash told the Seattle Times. A subsequent preliminary autopsy indicated he died from drowning. As many of you are aware, the City and Police Department of Hickman suffered a tragic loss of one of our finest, rodney smith last night the city of hickman posted to facebook on saturday rodney was not only an exceptional officer he was also a dedicated and loving father and husband a new addition to our community with a desire to be involved beyond just his job he was intelligent funny and supportive of his friends and co-workers he will be sorely missed Officer Smith had been with the Hickman Police Department for nearly five months, Gray told the Seattle Times. He previously worked for the Mayfield Police Department for several years. He was invested in being a part of the community, Gray told WPSG, WPSD, a family man. He was very proud of his children, always talking about them. Everybody in the community liked him. I know there are a lot of people that are hurting and a lot of people that are trying to make sense of it. Officer Smith. A married father of six is also survived by three grandchildren and his mother, according to his obituary. And this is from KF KF VS twelve. A funeral procession for Hickman K- Kentucky police officer traveled through Graves County on Tuesday afternoon, March sixth. Funeral services for Officer Rodney Smith were on Tuesday at eleven AM at the first assembly of church. In Mayfield, Burrow followed at Mount Olive Methodist Church Cemetery. Many in Hickman remained in shock after the loss of one of their own. I thought initially that maybe there was a miscommunication, said James Gray, the Hickman city manager. This couldn't be happening. And of course, when I arrived on scene, it was. More than 20 agencies, search and rescue teams, and various emergency agencies from Kentucky and Tennessee helped in the search effort. Homeowners in the area said the roads can be very dangerous during high waters. Last weekend, I don't think the water was over the road, said Glenn Jones, a homeowner near the area. It was up to the road, but you can still drive down and back. There is a ditch beside the highway, and it's probably 15 feet deep, right there where the accident happened. And from R.D. Brown. He was a member of the Mount Olive Methodist Church and he was a Hickman City Police Officer and a member of the Fraternal Order of Police. Mr. Smith is survived by his wife, Margaret Ann Smithson-Smith, of Boas, Kentucky, his mother, Pam Faulkner-Smith, of Priorsburg, Kentucky, his daughter, Madison Jessie Peel, of Kannapolis, North Carolina, his son, Chase Smith, of Cornelius, North Carolina, his daughter, Caitlin Smith, of Bowes, Kentucky, son, Nathan Smith, of Bowes, Son, Zane Smith of Bowes, stepson, Ryan Long of Mayfield, Kentucky, and one grandchild, River Pale, and two step-grandchildren, Aidan Long and Graydon Long. Officer Smith, you are at end of tour. Stand down. Officer Smith, job well done. Today's show is dedicated to Officer Smith. It is also dedicated to all the brave men and women who serve as first responders, be they law enforcement, firefighters, emergency services. It is also dedicated to all the men and women that serve in our military from the birth of this nation through today and into the future. We say and dedicate the song Amazing Grace. God bless each and every one.
2: Welcome back to Southern Sense Radio. You are listening to Southern Sense here on Block Talk Radio, SHR Media, High Plains Daily News, Connecticut High Five, The Fix FM, now of Charleston, South Carolina. Also live on Gap TV, YouTube, and Facebook, video streaming live. I am Curtis C.S. Bennett with Annie. Annie is currently trying to contact our first guest. And hopefully she'll be successful at that, because I just know some wonderful things are waiting our listening audience from this guest. And um, hopefully we can get her and get her on soon. Her name is Valerie Greenfield. Hope you all enjoyed the Fourth of July holidays here in the United States. Those that are are here from um, the United States and and i did I basically just took the day off and rest i um did have a emergency meeting- meeting of all things at the American Legion um nearby but um for the most part, I just relaxed and stayed home uh had some barbecue. I did stop at the um festivities that we had at our local park and and whatnot I did not attend that night um fireworks display but i heard it from my house i've seen enough fireworks to uh, last a lifetime but anyway i hope you guys got to enjoy it and enjoy many more we have a lot to to, you know discuss today and cover there's a lot going on in the media and there's a lot going on in trump world as we know the media and the left are going berserk over the possibility that we may put a Supreme Court justice on the bench who may be against Roe versus Wade. Now, nobody's brought that up on the right. Yes, is this Annie? You're back?
1: back? Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. We also have with us Trevor Loudon. Good afternoon, Trevor. How are you today? And did you enjoy your July 4th?
3: i d- I did Annie I was um largely working, did a little bit of fishing, but um yeah, it was a great day.
2: How are you Trevor. Guys? Uh, all right
3: well
1: we're
0: we're
2: supposed to have Hi. Valerie
1: Greenfield with us. um I just sent a message over to her agent and tried calling her, so maybe she'll join us a little bit later on the phone. but Trevor, there's so much to talk to you about. there is so much going on you've got uh, how many different sure. projects do you have going on at the moment i'm just I can't keep up with you.
3: I'm up to. Uh, I'm doing a movie script. I'm. I'm, uh, I'm doing some little mini documentaries on various congressmen standing for office. So yeah, I've got a few projects, projects in in the, in the fire.
1: Uh, just just a few. And I was watching one last night, and uh, it, the documentary I was watching last night, "America Under Siege: Soviet Islam," and you know we've got Trump. Right trying to go into talks with Putin Uh, so when I'm watching that I'm going wait a minute are we hearing the whole entire story because that documentary was very devastating
3: yeah well it was you know Putin is the man behind radical Islam so to to go into talks with Putin expecting him to help when he has been the man driving the, the Muslims into Europe he's been the man who's been helping Hamas and al-Qaeda and the Taliban, you know, is, is futile and dangerous. So I think we really need to warn President Trump to keep well away from Mr. Putin. You know, I thought, I thought he would have been burned on that issue by now. But, uh, yeah, it's extremely dangerous. You know, Russia is, as Mitt Romney very rightly said, is America's number one geopolitical foe. And that ain't going to change some handshakes and peace talks. Um, they are committed to destroying this country by any means necessary, and uh, we shouldn't have any truck with them.
1: Yeah, it's funny because, you know, when we listen to Mainstream media, and we're reading all the intelligence reports. We get the picture that Putin is someone out there fighting terrorism uh, as he fought Chechen rebels and huh. the other rebels from the other stands. Uh, but as you reveal in the movie, he has actually used them to control people and control areas. You know, he's there fighting at the side of Assad, claiming to be fighting terrorism, and yet. The involvement of the Soviet Union and now Russia with Putin in charge, it's very, very frightening. I don't think anyone really understands exactly how the Soviet Union was using terrorism to control vast areas of the world.
3: Yeah, look, look, um, there would be no Islamic terrorism without the Soviets behind them, without the Russians backing them. You know they trained the PLO. They trained uh, helped to train Hamas. They are working with the Taliban today. Most of ISIS was uh, led by former by by Russian Chech Chechen Chechens um, re- released into into, ICE, in, into Syria by by Putin or former Soviet trained Iraqi intelligence and military officers. So. So ISIS, Hamas, al-Qaeda are all Soviet operations. They're all Russian operations. And um, the big refugee wave that, that has engulfed Europe in recent years was also um, a Russian operation. Um, my friend Jeff Nyquist wrote a great paper about this recently with a Romanian academic. Um, and they talked to several East, eastern former Eastern Bloc intelligence operatives, and they all agreed that, that the refugee wave into Europe was a Russian operation designed to screw up Europe. So they aren't our friends, and any uh, talks with them will only lead to disaster. You
1: know, I, when I was watching the movie and I was watching the troops marching through, I was surprised to see them, the Chechen troops and everything shouting alu akbar you wouldn't think of chechnya being predominantly islamic
3: well chechnya is you know much of the caucasus is islamic you know except for georgia and um but what happened is the chechens tried to break away and russians beat them in a war and then the war the leader of chechnya had another war and then he switched sides and joined the Russians, and now Putin is the the patron of the current Chechen dictator, who is Muslim, of course. And we saw in the movie, you know, ten thousand Chechen troops, all in a um, big stadium, all shouting Allahu Akbar, and um, basically, uh, long live Vladimir Putin. And one bit that we didn't show in the movie, actually, they talked about how they were going to go into Europe and the United States to attack Russia's enemies.
1: It's, it's really, really, really crazy. because that movie, I'm telling people, have to go to your website, like just your name, Trevor dot com, and check it out. Yeah, it, it is very, very well, frightening just, because the, the involvement of the Muslim Brotherhood with Uh, Putin is is absolutely – and the Chechen troops uh, is frightening in itself.
3: Yeah, look, look, um, that's why we call it Soviet Islam. It's the red-green axis. Islam and the uh, the Russians, the communists, the Chinese are all working together to destroy the West, which is why you have uh, Hezbollah working with the communist guerrillas in Latin America – who smuggle drugs into this country and terrorists into this country, uh, working with the Cubans. All those old terror networks are still going. You know, Russia doesn't call itself communist anymore, but it's still backing the exact same terror networks it was backing when it was openly communist.
1: It's absolutely stunning. Curtis, go ahead.
2: Trevor. uh... Curtis. Hey Curtis. Well, yeah, um, what do you think of a possible Russian Chinese alliance and what what would that well, look like for the United States? Well, it,
3: it's not possible. It's been in existence for, for for nearly 20 years now. They they are allied through the um through the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, which is a political, economic and military alliance. It's been going on since two thousand and one. You know they have joint military exercises. They they coordinate at the highest levels. You know they they are completely allies. They have been for for over twenty years now, and I, and I say well before that. But um, you know the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. Just just Google it, look it up. It it, it includes um all the Uzbekistan's and Tajikistan's. It includes. Russia, it includes Russia and China. Iran is an observer, India is an observer, and Sri Lanka is an observer. And I believe that Kampuchea and Laos are also involved. So it's far bigger than the Warsaw Pact ever was, and far more dangerous. You know, you'd think this would be front page news, but 95% of Americans have no idea that Russia and China are military allies.
2: Mm-hmm. So, do they have an agreement that um, if one is attacked, say for instance the United States, that'll never happen? But will the other come to the other's defense?
3: Well, I, I believe so. I believe it's a formal agreement. Um, I haven't read all the text of the agreement, but they are a military alliance, um, mm-hmm. and, and, I, and I know, you know, if you attack one, you'll get you'll get in a war with the other. Um, wow. I know that. That if Trump had gone into North Korea, I was told by intelligence operatives that that would have been war with both Russia and China, which I think is why he didn't do it. We we we've got to understand that we you know Russia and China are not separate players. Russia, China, Iran, um, and uh, several other countries around the world, and and. Many of the Muslim countries around the world are all are all allied and their number one enemy is the United States. And their number two enemy is Israel.
2: Now, I know it's Great Britain because... is not as powerful as it used to be. But what I Who, mean, sorry, Who, sorry, Great Britain, United Kingdom. Um, yeah, sure. But they have to be. A, be considered a force to reckon with, and to join the United States in any potential war. Am I correct? Yeah,
3: yeah, and and and, and maybe Canada as well, and maybe Japan, but that's increasingly doubtful. But you, you know, you've got to understand that the Russians way have way more strength than NATO right now. Wow. The Russians have between three and six times more nuclear weapons than the United States does. You know, they have their army is twice the size, plus their their military technology is in most part better than America's, and it is far more modern. You know, I think Americans are living in this fool's paradise that they are stronger than Russia right now. Um, they're certainly not stronger than Russia and China combined, that's for real. Well, no,
1: but. Not being told uh, to the American people is that President yes, we've Trump's stood down with, our,
3: with China, but well,
1: what Ian? I was going to say is that we've been standing da- we've been standing down on our nuclear weapons, but Russia has not. We've been went to this nuclear non treaty where we were supposed to destroy, and for everyone we destroyed, they were supposed to destroy, but they haven't done that. Instead, they've gone forward and no. continue to create, where we have not built up yeah, our arsenals. We still have silos that
3: go back to the 60s and 70s look we we america has not built a new nuclear weapon since 1992 and the shelf life is 15 to 20 years russia has massive numbers more nukes in america they're all brand new high-tech well-maintained they've got their so-called doomsday bomb that that could take out the whole state of texas you <laughs> know one bomb so, you know, this is not a country that is our friend. It's the only thing that's going to save us is rebuilding the military really, really, really quickly and taking a very tough stand against these countries because they, they will tend to stand down when you, when you call their bluff. But we're getting to the point where it is no longer a bluff. They, they, they are stronger combined than the United States and most most armament and, and most military theatres.
0: Uh, well now
1: trevor here's the question if russia is as strong as, as you're saying um how does that play into trump's uh attack on nato uh with countries that are not paying their percentage uh, countries not paying anything at all How's it, how does that stand now with him attacking nato and looking at Turkey being a member of NATO, and Turkey is no friend to the United States and more Absolutely. of an ally to Russia. So, where do, where do we stand with this? Where does NATO stand and where does world power stand?
3: Well, it stands in the balance. You know, like Turkey has really switched sides now. It's, it's now the leader of the world Islamic movement. They want to build the caliphate, and they are more, as you say, more of an ally now to Russia. Than out of this country, and Turkey has has the has most of uh, NATO's battle tanks. So you know NATO is in, in a sad state, and um, they are getting organised. They are committing more money now to um, to building up the military, which is good. But they're going to have to do a much faster job of it because you know time is a ticking. Um, you know, maybe Trump's buying for time, I don't know. I think he was right to tell NATO to cough up more and start paying more of their own costs. And I, and I know that, that Sweden and Norway and and, and other NATO countries, are, I don't think NATO is, but Sweden and other NATO countries are, uh, like Denmark are freaking out right now about how unprepared they are and are at least trying to get a bit better organized now. But um, you know, look, if there was a war in Europe tomorrow, it's um, all the, all the military scenarios that have done would ha- would have Russia winning it. Wow,
1: that is amazing. Because you know, my husband, being his family, being from Latvia, uh, well, when yeah, Trump was Golden elected, State they were screaming. Yeah, they were screaming. Oh, he's going to pull us, pull them out of NATO, and we're going to be defenseless. And it is a real fear right now. We've got the the U.S. ambassador to Estonia in a public announcement, which was so embarrassing. You know, saying he no longer supports Trump's policies, so he's resigning. And if that wasn't disgusting, I don't know what was. Hey, Just quietly step aside and let him appoint someone else to represent the United States in Estonia. It, that did not yeah. help the situation at all.
3: No, it doesn't and, and, and it's to Russian advantage to sow as much disunity amongst the NATO countries as possible, which they're trying to do. Um, you know you've got a lot of Russian disinformation and going on right now in most European countries. I, I think Americans need to understand that much of what you hear about foreign policy is in fact Russian disinformation. You know, the fact that most people don't know there's a Russian-Chinese military alliance is a testament to how much the Russia, Russia controls the American media. Um, you know, that, that should be front-page news. Every, every American should understand that. But even a lot of military people don't know that. Um, so, you know, we, we are barraged. We are constantly barraged by Russian propaganda coming through... Uh, websites like Zero Hedge and Alex Jones and, and uh, through um, Russia Today, and then we've got Al Jazeera pumping stuff into this country, um, and, and even uh, Press TV, which is an Iranian operation. We, we, our, our society is getting bombarded by enemy pro- 24-7 to the point that most Americans have no understanding of, of how the real balance of forces is playing out.
1: It is a frightening, frightening world out there. Because, you know, I noticed in the 60s and 70s the rise of Islam in our prisons. And back then, I was not naive enough to realize exactly what was doing. And they had the Muslim Brotherhood came into the United States in the 50s and 60s. And they said, let's go into these poor ghettos. Let's, you know, use this Black Panther movement, Louis Farrakhan and all of his ilk, and, you know, partner with them. And we get the disenfranchised here in the United States, convert them to Islam, and also go into the prisons as if we were doing some sort of a ministry. And we want to rehabilitate yeah. people to be great parts of society. No, they were getting militant Islamists. They were creating them in the prisons. And they are still doing yeah. it. And it is amazing at how they have been able to infiltrate the United States and the Muslim Brotherhood.
3: Well, you know, America has really had no internal defences now since the 70s, no House Un-American Activities Committee, no real meaningful um, congressional security committees. And it's got a First Amendment that guarantees protection of religion. So your enemies do all sorts of things in this country under the flag of religion. Um, and... and. Uh, you know, protected by left-wing groups like the ACLU and the Southern Poverty Law Center, nobody's nobody's willing to touch these people. You know, you've got terrorist training camps on American soil. You've got um, massive Muslim outreaches into your prisons and your schools. You've got radicalization going on in the Latino populations and the Black populations. You know, through the through the communist-controlled Black Lives Matter movement. So you've got a lot of subversion going on in this country and very, very little attention is being put on it, uh, you know, a, a little bit of superficial attention, but nobody's really digging into how how bad this is.
1: No, and I, I, I shake my head in wonderment when I see these um, religious community outreach programs Uh these where they turn around and they sit down with everyone and all nice touchy feely. Oh, you know we we have to accommodate for you. And then you see Christians having a service with Muslims and say, like, you do not understand the truth behind Islam. <laughs> if you knew what true Islam is, you would not have them come into their your church and have a service. It, it, no, yarr. that is another way. <laughs> yeah,
3: of, well. Of well conv- well, people have to understand that Islam is not primarily a religion. Islam is a political system, and a tyrannical one at that. Oh, yeah. You know, Islam believes that Sharia law, which is dictated by Allah, must be spread by force if necessary all over the planet. That is the duty of any Observant Muslim, so that means that Sharia law, which is completely top-down and tyrannical, which dictates every aspect of your life, from going to the bathroom to your business affairs, must is 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 mm-hmm. must be spread if you're a Muslim, and that might, that requires doing it by force or fraud or whatever it takes. You know how many countries became Muslim because of Missionaries. They all became, virtually all became Muslim because of force of arms or through basically immigration. And, and that's what's happening in America today. So um, people should, should really understand that you, when you're dealing with, uh, when you're attacking Islam, you're not attacking your religion. You're attacking a political system like communism or fascism. And when I came to this country, I had to swear I had never been involved in any communist or fascist group that sought to overthrow the U.S. Constitution. Well, if you're a Sharia-observant Muslim, you are trying to overthrow the U.S. Constitution. And I don't think you should be allowed in this country any more than a communist or a Nazi should be.
1: So in other words, Trevor. Trump was correct in his travel ban.
3: Oh the only thing wrong with it is it should have been far more extensive. You know, that's that's only a, a, a smattering of you know, a tiny bit of what is needed. But um Go ahead, Curtis.
2: Yeah, yes, yeah Curtis. I was gonna say, you know, um reaching back to our conversation about who was militarily um superior and in your estimate, it's the Russians. So when Trump um, has this summit with Putin, who do you think will have the upper hand, um, Putin, Putin or Trump?
3: Putin will. That's why I don't think there should be a summit. You know, we're mm-hmm. we're only going to lose out of it. You know, there's nothing to be gained from. Uh, <laughs> the only thing you can maybe buy is a little bit of time, perhaps. But um, maybe that's Trump's plan, I don't know. But um, look, there's nothing to be gained in a partnership with Russia, any more than there would have been to be gained in a partnership with Adolf Hitler before World War II or Mussolini or any of the other tyrants. They are hell-bent on destroying this country and any partnership with them then will just make it easier. (laughs)
1: I don't even know where to start with half the stuff that I've been learning about this, Um, but there's now the new thing out there, the DEWA. It's not new. It's just that it's been now more advanced. And you see it more aggressively in Tennessee, of all places, and in Michigan, where they go to try to teach us the truth about Islam. Islam is the religion of peace. It's not what everyone else is telling you. It does not mean submission. You know, uh, the jihad is an internal struggle. It doesn't mean we're going to go out there and behead you if you don't convert (laughs) to Islam. We're not going to force this on you. We can coexist. The dewa is in full swing. And Linda Sassour is, yeah. has been a sore in the – she's a cankle on our butt right now.
3: We got real, Linda Sassour is also a Marxist. She's a member of Democratic Socialists of America. Rashida Tlaib, who's standing for Congress in Michigan, is also a Marxist and a member of Democratic Socialists of America, standing as a Muslim. So this is a perfect example of the red green axis, the alliance between Marxism and Islam. But see, Dawah, you know, which is basically the spreading of Islam inside this country. Yeah, you know, they they got to be practical. You know, when they have low numbers, they they try and get concentrations of people in towns or cities like Dearborn or Hamtramck in, in Michigan. Where they can get a majority on the local council and start to you know get control of local schools, etc, and build an, an enclave, a, a, a state within a state. And you we've seen in Europe that once that gets uh, underway, it gets worse and worse until the point where they do start forcing you to do what they want. But they've got to achieve a a substantial minority or even a majority before they do that. But the plan is to bring as many Muslims into America as possible to establish enclaves and convert the local populations either through straight out conversion or intimidation and eventually when it comes down to it when they're strong enough by the sword. So... There's no doubt about this. They they write about this continuously in their own publications. So why do we want any more of of these people in the country? You know, how is it going to improve America?
1: Yeah, here's here's a thought for you because we do have uh, Trump announcing a new uh, Supreme Court justice nominee on monday yes. and yeah. prior to that we hear everyone out there protesting uh because wherever it is is going to overturn roe v wade and then we can't have abortion in america um uh, here's the thought though uh what is the true push behind this to keep abortion in america is it to keep christian population down well non-believers population down and allow those of the muslim faith uh, those Islamists? to propagate and then people, our nation, through just sheer birth rate?
3: Well, that's certainly part of it. You know, abortion in this country has always been pushed by the hard left. You know, it was the the Trotskyists and the communists who, who basically agitated to get abortion made legal in this country. And and obviously that's going to affect the birth rate. That's going to affect your military, your ability to raise an army. Um, that's going to affect your ability to to run industry. You know, it's 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 a, it's a way to weaken the country. So both the communists and and the Muslims, they're okay with it too because obviously they're going to have six or seven kids, and most Americans will have one or two. So it, it's. Just do the math and see where that leads in 20 or 30 years' time. So, yeah, you know, abortion um, is pushed by the left as everything else the left pushes to basically destroy um, free countries.
1: Well, this could also explain why there's such an attack on one of the nominee picks, uh, Ms. Barrett. Uh, Judge Barrett, because she has seven children of her own. And, you know, it used to be in the 50s, 60s, that a Roman Catholic family, it was not uncommon to have seven kids. If you only had seven kids, that was considered a small family at one point. Uh, Usually it would be 10, 12 or more. But, you know, you have everyone going, oh, look at her. She's got seven kids. You know, she's so irresponsible. Excuse me? That seems to be a very <laughs> loving and gracious
3: woman. Are has not, are we not to Yeah. I thought we were supposed to be fruitful and that, that, that is the Christian way and, and, and good, good for her to see large families. And, um, so yeah, but, but that's definitely not the message the left wants to send out there. You know, that's far too American and far too decent and, 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 uh, you know it could lead to a you know more more good people to, to fight against the communists so so yeah she she will be heavily criticized for that and they will try and make sure she doesn't get nominated um, well it depends on you know whether President Trump puts her forward or not but uh, I suspect he's going to go with Kavanaugh personally but um, wouldn't be my first choice but but uh, yeah, anybody who has seven kids and, and uh, might get on the Supreme Court, well, the anti abortion people are going to, uh, the, the pro abortion people are absolutely going to freak out about that.
1: <laughs> but then again, you've got one of your favorite and my favorite people, Maxine Waters, putting her two cents in, suggesting that Trump should nominate an illegal alien to the Supreme Court to show he's yeah, well, there, well, and he's welcoming. <laughs> that's not going
3: to happen well, well president well president trump estimated maxine waters iq in the 60s and i think you may have been a little generous personally i think so um, you know maxine waters is is just one of those old died in the wall marxist communists who hates everything decent about america but she hasn't got the discipline to keep her mouth shut so she basically says what the rest of the Democrats are thinking and embarrasses them in the process, but uh, she she just can't be controlled. So she's quite useful from that point of view. If you if you want to know what the Democrats are thinking, really, just listen to Maxine Waters. Because she doesn't have the wit to keep her mouth shut at the appropriate. Now,
1: um, you you were working on a new project I saw. That you sent me something uh, that's going to be going through. The 2018 elections and into the future possibly even a mobile app uh, were you going to talk about the truth behind a lot of the candidates out there where they truly stand yeah. in the political spectrum tell us about that
3: yeah well we're we going to be re- releasing about six short videos soon which will deal with certain congressmen and senators um, you know standing for re-election and I, I say in my movie enemies Within," them um, um, and i urge people to get that, just go to com. that there are at least a 100 members of your House and 20 members of your Senate who are so enmeshed in neo-communism or involved with hostile foreign powers or involved in Muslim Brotherhood front groups, sometimes all three, that they couldn't pass a, a security background check to drive a school bus. You know, so a fifth of your House and a fifth of your Senate are basically working in a measle. And so we've got a, a, a series of short videos planned that are going to expose some of these people. And we ask people to circulate them as widely as possible when they hit the streets. Because I think most Americans will be shocked at just how radical and how how totally anti-American many of their congressmen and senators are and these are not just the the radical ones like Maxine Waters these are more respectable ones like uh, you know Tammy Baldwin you know the senator from Wisconsin and others these people are hardcore but the public has no idea.
1: Wow wow never think someone from Wisconsin but then again the very first mosque that was arrested (laughs) In the United States, was in Wisconsin. A little known fact, not too peop- many people were aware. Yeah, yeah, they
3: yeah. If they tried you're it- absolutely right. But but in Wisconsin, you've oh. got Gwen Moore, who's a Marxist. You've got Mark Pocan, who is a complete Marxist, and and uh, of course Tammy Baldwin, who's extreme left winger, and is involved with uh, Latin American terrorist groups.
1: Oh man, there's so much to talk with you about, Trevor. And I'm looking at my notes, yeah. and I had formed it around having Valerie here, so I have to do a little shuffling here. So just, uh, pardon well, me. Well, Trevor, this one. I got
2: a question. Uh, I- sure, Candice. I- yeah. Um, when do you think this uh, Russian collusion case will end, if it ever ends?
3: Yeah, look, uh, well, the Senate came out the other day and said that there was clear, there was evidence that the Russians had tried to influence the election. And I've been saying that for a long time. I think um, they first tried to discredit Ted Cruz as much as they could. And then they tried to build up Donald Trump because they thought he would be the easier candidate for Hillary to beat. Because Hillary's been in bed with the Russians for decades. And it backfired on them. Um, so so the Russians definitely interfered in the election. There's no evidence that the Trump campaign, um, that Trump himself was involved. But Paul Manafort, who uh, you know, was Trump's campaign manager, he was heavily involved with the Russians. And so Trump was very wise to fire that guy. So... Look, unfortunately there are, there is stuff there, you know, and it's gotta gotta, you know, go through its course. They're pushing the collusion line. They're right to push the <clears> Russian <throat> interference line. But the collusion line, if you really want to get into it, is goes far more to the Democrats. They've been involved with the Russians for for sixty years now. Oh,
2: so man.
3: really um you know, they are the ones we really should be focusing on.
2: Yeah, I was just wondering yeah, because it, I think I heard on the news that Mueller just hired some more um, um, lawyers yeah. for his um, team.
3: Yeah, look, look, he he will keep going on this, and, and until he is shut down, basically. So this is an indefinite thing, and they're going to keep digging and digging and digging and, and keep being annoying. Right up, they'll keep going until the 2020 election if they can, but they'll certainly keep going past the midterms because it's a, it's a fishing expedition and it's annoyance to President Trump and it's a diversion of attention and so it's an intelligence operation designed to weaken his presidency, uh, whether there's anything real there or not. So that, I don't see any end in sight for it.
1: No, there really is none. But, you know, um, I was starting to say that uh, they're talking about, you know, the Russians interfering in our elections, but the Russians have always interfered in our elections the same way the Chinese have. It, why is people yeah. now surprised to find out that this is going on when it's it's been happening? One of the reasons why the president has to be a natural-born citizen is to prevent you know, the coercion from outside forces, which they anticipated. Yeah. Our founding fathers anticipated it. And you know, they, considering they wanted the communication only used back then Americans today.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so why are look, look, the Look, Russia and China have been infiltrating. you know, Russia particularly has been interfering in American elections since at least the nineteen twenties. They helped to elect President Kennedy. They were they were they were certainly helping the Clintons. The Chinese were certainly helping the Clintons. Um, The only unusual thing about this is is this is one of the few times they've been actively involved on the Republican side as well. But they're involved on every side now. In Europe, they're involved with the right and the left. They just want to create chaos.
1: And the more they create so, chaos, you know, the more they can get what they want to do. Because what have we done about the invasion into Ukraine? Nothing. What have we e- we've done exactly. about the Crimea? Yeah. Nothing. As long as they they yeah. create anarchy, we're going to sit on our hands and just say, all right, we're out of this one.
3: Yeah, they just want to weaken their opposition. So they will, they will back anybody in Western countries, no matter what their political stripe is if they can use that to cause trouble. You know, um, they just want to create division. And, and we are right to be concerned about the Russians um, because they control much of the, uh, of the information, that the political information that most Americans get. You know, even through so-called conservative websites like Zero Hedge and through so-called conservative radio stations like Alex Jones, you know they are pumping huge amounts of propaganda into this country, and, and you got to the point where most Americans don't know which side the, which side the butter their toast on.
1: No, it, it's it's right now. Curtis mentioned the Mueller investigation earlier, and our friend Vito Esposito, who has his own radio show, Mamma Mia No Sharia, uh, posted that Mueller has put <laughs> Manafort into twenty-three hours solitary confinement. Now, what is it that we're not? learning about Mulder what is what is his complete motivation outside of hatred for Trump
3: well I think he's part of the American left and uh, they were bitterly disappointed when Hillary Clinton didn't win the election and they they are very concerned about Trump and what he might do to, to to break America away from their clutches so they are going to uh, this is a politically motivated thing The 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 left controls America's intelligence services to a large degree at the, at the highest level so they're weaponizing them to disrupt the president, criticise the president, cast aspersions on the president, reduce public confidence in the president as much as they possibly can. This is a pure um, basically intelligence operation designed to weaken America. I, I don't think it's anything more than that.
1: Well, now, we have the unholy alliance with the left and the Muslim Brotherhood, and you in your film had put down current Muslim leaders, and uh, I was surprised because when you played the clip after 9-11, where Bush was talking about Islam being, meaning peace, standing behind him was the executive director of CARE, Nehad Awat. Am I saying that correctly? Probably not.
3: Yes, yes. Nihad Awad is how I say it.
1: Nihad Awad, uh, who openly supports Hamas. Uh, His care is just the arm of the Muslim Brotherhood. And people don't realize how entrenched the Muslim Brotherhood has become inside our government. And it's not just under Obama. It was under Bush 1 and 2. And they've been there for decades. And it's been so insidious, as you said, our, our, our Department of Justice is controlled by the left, which is then, in turn, controlled by the Muslim Brotherhood.
3: Yeah, well, they're working in tandem, and, and um, you know that's why the FBI's manuals were purged, for instance, for on on, on training manuals for countering Islamic terrorism or, or Islamic radical networks. You know, they purged all of their, the FBI's materials on that, so your agents were flying blind. They they are heavily involved in in the State Department and and other organizations, which is why I would love to see the president do what he has promised to do and uh, could do by executive order and, and designate the Muslim Brotherhood as a terrorist organization. And that would make it way difficult for your congressmen and senators to keep going to their dinners and taking money from them and working uh, and working to promote their agendas. Um, Muslim having the Muslim board operating today is like having the German American bond, a Nazi front operating in America through World War Two. You know, promoting Nazi propaganda. You know, it, it's that dangerous, and it's just got to be shut down.
1: Well, the worst part is, is it's infiltration into our education system uh, and their well, ability that, now to recruit. Uh, yeah, and we had our friend Paul Sutliff, he started his journey learning about Islam when he went to make a donation to his alma mater. And in a lot of Christian universities and colleges, they are deeply entrenched to the fact that a lot of these Christian universities are no longer teaching Christianity,
3: or at least yeah, well. <laughs> Well, that's right, and that's going to be the subject of our next movie, The Infiltration of the Churches, which, are, which is horrible. But look, look, I read a common core textbook not long ago, and they had nine pages on Islam, right? Then they had a paragraph on Christianity, and the paragraph on Christianity was how white European Christians came to America and enslaved the native people. That was was your coverage of Christianity. So young kids are being softened up to accept Islam or to at least not oppose Islam in your schools now. This is a major propaganda operation going on there. You know, you don't have Buddhists inserting their propaganda into your textbooks or Hindus or or Taoists or, you know, or, or... Zoroastrians, but you certainly have Islam promoting its ideas inside your your schools right now on a major scale, and and the and the Saudis yeah. and others are endowing chairs in Islamic studies at your universities to spread their propaganda further. Well, Trevor. you have
1: the Saudis. Putting that through, but you also have coming out of Turkey, I forget the name of the, the school system that they, they put in here. The,
3: the, begins the, the Gulen GF. schools. Yeah, the Gulen schools. Right,
1: that's
3: schools. the, that's the Char- that's popping up charter the Charter schools, right. And yeah.
1: they're importing staff from Turkey in, here into the United States, but these people are coming here, disappearing into the United States on these visas to work in these schools, and they have no background in education whatsoever. They have no qualifications no. to staff the school, and it, this well, is some another of them infiltration. Do,
3: some of them probably don't, but I guarantee you, many of them are connected to the Turkish intelligence services, or to the uh, or to the most, uh you know the, the active Muslim organizations in Turkey. So yeah, you, through the chart, you're getting a whole another um, uh, avenue of infiltration. You know, this this is serious stuff. You know, these people. Are really intent on destroying our way of life, and and America just sort of sits back and let it, lets it happen to a large degree.
0: You, Go know, ahead, you imagine
3: Kurt. if you tried to you imagine if you tried to set up some pro American schools in Russia or China to spread constitutional <laughs> values and Christianity mm-hmm. through China, see how you get on.
1: You'd be in prison in two Actually. seconds flat. Go ahead, Chris.
2: Yeah. Actually, Definitely. I had two questions. Um, one had to do with um, two military types from um, the Middle East that were here in the United States training. And then they just disappeared. And you never heard anything else about that case. I was just wondering if you had some insight. Yeah. Maybe they were terrorists um, and, you know, with a mission, well, you know. Trojan horses was, or whatever, but...
3: Um, well, there was at least and, seven of them, uh, Afghans, Afghan military officers training in the United States yeah. who just disappeared. Well, yeah, a, I, I don't know if they've ever been found. So did they hook up with terror networks there? Did they go undercover, or did they just try and <clears throat> become illegal immigrants? Maybe maybe a bit of both. But, yeah, that's, that's an avenue of major concern. Um, you've got enough yeah. Hamas operatives coming over the southern border, but when you when you bring in Afghan military officers into America, that's another and way they disappear. <laughs> yeah, they, they just disappear. So, uh, what are they doing now? Are they are they working as in a, as taxi drivers, or are they um, or are they casing um, Dams and, and military facilities around the country, you know,
2: yeah. or the supermarkets, now, or
3: malls. What are, what are they doing now? Yeah.
2: Now, my other question was this: yeah. um, you hear a lot about ISIS today, but nothing really about Al Qaeda. Did we defeat Al Qaeda? I mean, I never heard a declaration no. of that war ending.
3: No, no, Al Qaeda's still still there, you know, and and still um, has. Um, operatives right throughout North Africa, right throughout the Middle East, into the Philippines. Yeah, so they are not not in the front of news right now, but, but they're still there, and I'm sure they've infiltrated lots of their operatives into Europe in the wef- refugee wave. So, yeah, look, look um, Al-Qaeda went for a long time without doing anything, um you know, they did the World Trade Center bombings in, in 1993, then uh, and then the uh, 9/11 attacks in 2001. So that, that, they'll be out there. They'll be getting ready for the, when the opportunity strikes to do something similar. Um, you know, they've been beaten back to some degree, and, uh, but um, the as as the Taliban takes over Afghanistan with Russian help. They, I'm sure they will be involved in that, helping out as well and reestablishing their bases there too. You
1: know, I want to thank these guys in the chat room. My listeners are some of the best. Uh, Vito posted it and then Kel posted it. Uh, this is from United West, our friend over there. Um, there oh, is yeah. a 17th annual Muslim con- conference going on at the Orlando, Florida, Hyatt Regency that's yes. at Orlando Airport. Starting yep. today through Sunday, and, oh my goodness! And looking at some of these guest speakers in this, and I'm scrolling through this really fast. The conference is titled "Islam: Religion of Hope." <laughs> How about "Religion of Hopelessness"? Uh, that should be the correct thing. You got Kevin Barrett, who has claimed that the Jews yeah. were responsible for 9/11.
3: Yeah.
1: He's uh, a major eight.
3: anti-Semitic fruitcake. Hey? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's putting it nicely uh, you also have yeah. uh, Sheikh uh, ha- Hamza Sodagar, who endorses killing gays day- uh, punishment for homosexual yeah. men to chop their head off uh, or to burn them to death yeah. or to throw them off a cliff or to tear down a wall on them or fifth is a combination of all of above uh, you've got Assad Joffrey uh, who's promoted safeguarding Islamic terrorists for Israel's Destruction. He employed. Leave ISIS alone. Leave Al Qaeda alone. Leave Al Nusra alone. Leave Boko Haram alone. That was Zionism. Uh, yeah, Sharona and these, Whistler.
3: These are, these are. Yeah. Yeah. On, yeah.
1: Well, uh, it looks like well, Sharona well, these, Whistler, is these the
3: executive director. Ga- go ahead. Um, go ahead. No, well, well, these are people gathering a hundred miles away from me right now. Uh, in a hotel in Orlando, the, the entertainment capital of the Eastern Seaboard. You know, and these are fanatical, anti-American, anti-Israel activists. And they're just holding a, a, a conference easy as you please in a big tourist hotel. And who's doing anything about it? Who, who's moving to shut them down? You know, this is, this is going on all the time in the United States. They're as blatant as can be, and nobody nobody dares move about them, against them for fear of being called Islamophobic. Well, during the nineteen thirties, a lot of people were Nazi phobic for very good reason. You know, it's very rational to be scared of someone who wants to destroy your country and enslave your population.
0: Well,
1: as Vito rightly puts out, that this is occurring in Orlando, just two years yeah. after the attack of the Pulse, Pulse nightclub, which yeah, is in yeah. wait for it Orlando, where Omar yeah. killed forty nine people. And yeah. no, so, like so you've got this, this is the first guy who
3: wants to throw gays off buildings at a conference in the same city that where where another one of their co-religionists slaughtered forty nine people two years ago, as you say. Well you know, isn't this a little bit, you know, wouldn't you sort of be a little bit concerned about this?
1: Absolutely. And as, you, as Kel is saying, it's a way of walking off their territory, declaring victory over the infidels, honestly. It's just another symbolic yeah,
3: they, way of they, doing Yeah, they, they, lo- they, they, they love that symbolism, yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's exactly what they're doing. Um, that. They, they, they could have gone to Vegas or somewhere else, but no Orlando is more appropriate I think for what they wanna for what they want to achieve.
1: Yeah, and no one not even the mayor of Orlando speaking out. The T V station's down there, Vito is saying is silent. Uh Orlando Strong is silent. And if, if you happen to be a member of the L B G T community, considering who's over there speaking, I think you would be out there protesting.
3: But heaven forbid, Well, you know, you know no, 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 Florida, Florida's got high gay population and it's got high Jewish population. You think both of those sectors would be pretty concerned about what's going on, wouldn't you?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to thank Vito and Kel for bringing that forward and Tom Trento with United West for keeping on top of that. A big shout out to Tom on that one. Because I, I had no idea. If it wasn't for them just posting it in the chat room, I would not have known myself. And the you know, rest of the world like is, is uh,
0: you.
3: You know, it's it's like like um, you know, in nineteen thirty-eight, having the Nazis holding a big Nazi convention in in, in the Jewish quarter of New York. You know, <laughs> that's basically what a, that's the moral equivalent of it. If you
1: remember correctly, out on Long Island in an area in the nineteen thirties there was a huge group of the Nazis out there and when it came to light they did shut it down after a while, but it was in an area of high affluence which had a large Jewish population. So it did occur in the nineteen thirties in New York. <laughs> yes. Not yeah, well, too far well, you, from where my you my, know, my grandparents uh, lived. The House
3: Yeah. Well the House on American Activities Committee was set up by the Democrats in the 30s, to go after American Nazis. And they did a damn good job of it. They shut down a whole lot of Nazi operations. And then they morphed into chasing down the communists and and the Ku Klux Klan. Well, they shut down the Klan as well. So they can do this if they want to do it. But we've had no uh, really strong internal security operations in this country since the 1970s. You know, since they shut down the Black Panthers, no, nothing. So all these subversive groups, Muslim, Muslim, and communist, are operating pretty much with no harassment, no, no arrests, no um, prosecutions, and hardly even any surveillance.
1: No, there is there is no surveillance. At one point, New York City Police Department was. And if you remember correctly, a number of years ago, there was this huge scandal uh, because they sent people into Jersey to survey some of the mosques in there. And, oh
3: boy, yeah. was that
1: a huge turf war, which shut everything down well, at that point.
3: You know? Well, that's right. And, and so the Marxist mayor of New York shuts down his police surveillance of his Muslim allies. Well, what do you think he's going to do? So now, that, now there's very little to protect New Yorkers, you know, who are a prime target for this kind of thing. You know, if, if there's another attack in New York that kills people, Bill de Blasio will have that blood on his hands. But, you know, that's just the price you pay for the revolution, you know. So I don't know if Bill will be that upset.
1: Well, speaking about Trevor. revolution, another person you you marked in your your thing about um, Muslim leaders, current Muslim leaders, was this attorney, Lamis Deek. If she's not a vile person, oh, I don't yes. know who it
3: is. <laughs> yeah, well, Lami Steak, she's, a, she's a, a lawyer in New York, of Palestinian origin, I believe. And we've got her on tape. We play in the movie, you know, Soviet Islam. And people can see that for free. Just go to America Under Siege, Soviet Islam. And here's Lami Steek, all nice as pie, representing these radical communist kids in court in new york and she's you know representing them she represents a bomber a guy who tried to bomb a jewish synagogue and she's all nice as pie in court and then you see her at one of her rallies raving on you know from pala from from the river to the sea palestine will be free you know just raving on this virulent anti-israel stuff and it shows the two faces you know when it suits her, she's polite and respectful, and you know does her best to represent these radical people and get them off their charges. But when she's out and and her with her comrades rallying in the streets, she's a total, you know, a total anti-Israel lunatic. And it's very, very, very striking when you see the contrast between the two. I think. Well, Curtis, go Trevor,
2: ahead. In order for Trump to advance his um, his agenda, um, he's going to need more conservatives um, in this upcoming twenty eighteen midterm elections to be elected. Yep. Yep. Now, my my question is this: um, Will if the Democrats get beaten really, really bad, will this make them just more determined? Or will this demoralize them and they eventually fade away? (laughs) I I
3: I think it will demoralize them. The Democrats are on the verge of flying apart right now, absolutely desperate to win the 2018 elections. And you know the old saying, you know, this is the most important election of our lifetimes. They said every election. Well, this one is. Because if President Trump wins this election holds the House, increases the majority in the Senate. He can get a whole bunch more stuff done. He may even get another Supreme Court nominee through. He can keep the taxes coming down. He can build that wall. And America will be a very different and much better place very soon. And the Democrats will be out of power for 50 years. But if our base stays home and gets complacent and takes it for granted, and the Democrats win back the House, and that only takes 23 seats, and they are pouring huge resources into the southern states right now to do that. Huge numbers of, of uh, voter registration drives are doing down there. So if, if we blow this next election, they take back, take back the House, the president gets impeached, no more legislation, and the left comes back and wins in 2020, Then they legalize every single illegal immigrant in the country, 12 to to 30 million new Democrats, and they have a one-party state. So if we lose this election, we're going to blow freedom in this country, possibly forever. But if we win it, which we can, the Democrats will be completely dispirited, their party will break up, and we can set ourselves up for, for a, a very prosperous and free America for some decades to come. I think the differences are that stark. That's why we have to mobilize our people and get everybody to the polls this election cycle. We cannot leave anything to chance.
1: No, I completely agree with you. This is going to be a pivotal, pivotal election. I think our our group... Conservatives, Republicans, they sense that. They feel that. Uh, you had that idiot, David Hogue, who claimed to be one of the Parkland shooting uh, victims, um, was out oh, in yeah. ne- was it Nebraska or North Dakota. One of them. Uh, claiming to have been out there doing voter registration he was so proud he got every single person registered to vote well guess what that state has no voter registration you don't need to register to vote in that particular uh, state so who he was signing okay. up i don't know <laughs> it's, like,
3: it's gonna be interesting
1: how much fraud is going to go on
3: yeah well well, get, getting back to curtis's point i'd like to add something um See, I'm writing a series about this now called The Rainbow Conspiracy. And what is happening, you've got the the very rich democracy alliance, which is Steve Phillips and Tom Steyer and George Soros are pumping millions and millions of dollars now into the southern states. They're particularly targeting Florida, North Carolina, Texas, Georgia, and Arizona all states with large black, Latino, and Muslim populations who normally vote in very low numbers. And they are signing up hundreds of thousands of new voters. They're doing massive drives, and they aim to take the Republican Party's uh, base away in those southern states. And they only need to flip one or two of them, and Florida's right on the edge, and Arizona's right on the edge, and North Carolina is right on the edge. They only need to flip one or two of those, and you will have President Kamala Harris in 2020, and and she will finish the job that Obama started. So we cannot be complacent. We have to pour lots of resources into Florida, North Carolina, um, Texas, Georgia, and Arizona to protect our vote, because if we don't do that, we're going to be in for a hell of a bad surprise in November, a really, really nasty surprise. So that's just a warning to well, the conservatives out there.
1: Exactly. And matter of fact, we're so aware of it here in South Carolina because there have been movements to try to change certain districts. And we had a problem here in our Congre- Congressional District 1, which is where Mark Sanford sits. Um, he was unseated in the yeah. primary by Katie Arrington. And unfortunately, about a Two weeks ago now, Katie was in a horrific, horrific car accident where a woman
0: hit their vehicle
1: head on. So Katie is still in rehab. She's still going through physical therapy and everything. But here, Drew McKessick, I love this guy as the GOP chair in South Carolina. He's very dynamic, very conservative. I've had him on the show. He's a friend of mine. But he's helped rally the troops where you got Tim Scott out there. Uh, campaigning for Katie, uh, showing up at events where she was scheduled to show up. And there's going to be several other people stepping in to show up to cover for her because we do have a strong Democrat running against her. So it's a possibility that District 1, which covers parts of Charleston, which is heavily Democrat in certain areas, to unseat a Republican there. So we're aware of it here. So I hope that Florida and elsewhere, they become as, as energized as we are here.
3: Yeah, yeah, look, I I think South Carolina is in pretty good shape to take this on, and and you're taking it seriously in that district one seat, because every see in a in a midterm elections the the the, the uh, incumbent party usually loses twenty five to thirty seats. That's a historic number, and, and Trump's only got a twenty three percent majority in the House right, a twenty three seat majority, so it's right on the edge. Now, I think if things go right and we do it right, we will win the House, probably even increasing the majority slightly and increase the majority in the Senate. And that will set President Trump up beautifully. He'll be able to get a lot more legislation through a lot more easily, get that wall built, get the more tax cuts, etc. But if we are lazy and complacent and they take a couple of seats in North Carolina, three or four seats in Florida, uh, two or three seats in Arizona, four or five in California, Um, they're going to get that 23 or 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 24 or 25. And Nancy Pelosi is back in charge of the House. The president gets impeached and no more legislation goes forward. Now, that is not something I don't think anybody who's uh, supporting this president wants to see. And we have to get engaged here because there's a real danger that that could happen.
1: Well, I think California is going to be a uh, – uh, uh, oh, geez, the word just went right out of my mind – a pivotal uh, <laughs> pivotal yeah. in this upcoming midterm election. And there are some seats that we possibly can turn from blue to red. And, I mean
3: yeah, it, I, some seats yeah, are starting to look that, good. Yeah, look, uh, the fact that we've actually got a, a Republican on the governor's ticket is going to be very helpful, and I think um, that the, the Democrats have overplayed their hand in California. A lot of their own people are deserting them because they're just so damn left wing crazy now out there. So I think you will see um, some surprising elections in California. We may we, we may take one a, a few seats back there, which will be great. Look, Look! if we do it right, we could, um, we, we could do very well out of this election if we get energised. And the other thing I think that's going to help us is, this, is a good Supreme Court justice. You know, people understand that, that that's a very important thing for America's future. And we've got to get Republicans elected, even if we don't always like them, get elected so that President Trump could carry on doing what he needs to do. So, look, we're facing a crossroads. If we if we blow this, the consequences are horrible. If we win it, the consequences are fantastic. And uh, so I think everybody who can needs to get involved.
1: Oh, that's true. Because, you know, if you're looking at California alone, they've got several counties suing the, their state government over the yeah. sanctuary city oh, laws.
3: Um, yeah, which, which is right. And great. right
1: now, I... And there was a court out there that upheld two of the sanctuary laws but struck one down in favor of Trump. Uh, So things are starting to turn. I think people, as you said, they're tired of seeing the crazy, crazy left.
3: Well, there is a real rebellion brewing in places like California and in Washington State and other places. So that's why the Democrats are so absolutely desperate to win in 2018 because they know if they can do that then they can, then they can impeach the president, then they can run Kamala Harris in 2020 and they will probably win and once they win they don't have to worry about us anymore because the illegal immigrants will give them such a margin that they never have to care about um, you know, the moderate base or anything like that ever again So this is a real thing. If if the Democrats win, we get a one-party state. They will rule forever, and they will crush their opposition. If If President Trump can win, the Democrats are screwed. The economy picks up. The taxes keep coming down. The military gets rebuilt. We get safer and safer and richer and richer. And what have the Democrats got to offer against that?
1: I don't know. I don't know. But you're going to be at a fundraiser this coming Monday up in Michigan uh, for Patrick Colbeck, who's running for governor in Michigan. Um, tell us about that.
3: Well, it's actually a webinar I'm going to be uh, remotely attending. So it's held in held in Michigan. But uh, the details are on my blog, TrevorLoudon.com. We're urging people all over the country to, to um, tune into it, Uh, It's a $10 donation minimum to get on on there, and it's me and Phil Haney, the Department of Homeland Security whistleblower, who will be talking um, about the the Muslim and the Marxist attempt to elect a Muslim governor in Michigan, and we'll be supporting Patrick Colbeck, who is one of the four Republican um, nominees to, to, well, Republican candidates to, to for the governorship of Michigan. So Colbeck is very anti-Sharia. He's very clued up on on uh, the dangers of, um, you know, this guy wants to turn Michigan into a sanctuary state, for instance. So the alternatives are very clear in Michigan. You either have a, a radical left Muslim governor or you have a conservative, constitutionalist, Republican governor. you know, And that's going to make a huge difference, not just to Michigan, but to America. So um, Phil and I will be on that webinar talking about the situation, giving a bit of inside information. So people can get the details on my blog, and I, I urge them to tune in because it'll be very interesting and you'll be given a few dollars to one of the best candidates I've seen in a very long time um, for the for the governorship of Michigan.
1: Yeah, we need to get a majority of conservative uh, governors out there and start to turn so many states and state legislators around. That's very important. Yep. Now, it, it's, it's going to be a crazy, crazy election cycle. And the closer we get to it, the worse it's going to get. Because I know there's someone putting out a new ad to show how far the left has gone. Uh, There was something that popped up in my email looking for a donation. But I've already seen that ad up on TV where it shows Nancy Pelosi and them burning a limo and some of the Occupy uh, clips are in there. Uh, Maxine Waters, I think, is spewing that little bit about pushback. If you see Trump's administration anywhere at the gas station. Well, um, she says gasoline station. <laughs> I don't think everyone said gasoline in about four decades, uh, but it's it's going to be a heavy push from both sides, and we've got to be very, very vigilant in this election cycle.
3: Yeah, I think there was a great ad. The Republicans put this out, and it's a compilation of the crazy statements coming out of the Democratic Party these days. You know, and Bill Maher hoping that the economy crashes, that'll get rid of Trump. You know, so, so the left has gone absolutely over the top. I think even most normal Democrats understand that their party is not the party of Harry Truman or JFK anymore. It's now the party of the Muslim Brotherhood, the Communist Movement, and every anti-American radical out there. Um, You know, this this push from the Democrats to abolish ICE, you know, just shows how absolutely lunatic crazy they are. You know, 70 or 80 percent of Americans, including Democrats, actually want immigration enforcement increased. They want it to be more stringent. And these lunatic Democrats are going out there talking about abolishing ICE. You know, how do you think that's going to play in the in the um, you know in the democratic heartland? I don't think it's going to go too well for them. So they are really digging their own graves here. But we need to work really hard to pile as much sod on top of them as possible, so they don't sort of come back as zombies anytime soon. Um, yeah, like, like it, it's a it's a real difference now in America. Like you saw this in President Trump's State of the Union speech. You know, President Trump got up there and talked about American greatness. And he listed a whole bunch of achievements. You know, he talked about how black unemployment was the lowest it's ever been. And they panned the Congressional Black Caucus, and all they were doing was scowling and playing with their phones. You didn't see a single smile or a cheer from the whole Democratic Caucus throughout the entire speech. That shows you where the Democrats are today. They have been completely taken over by the Marxists and the Muslims. They're as anti-American as you can get. But unfortunately, you still have a whole bunch of good people, Democrat voters who haven't cottoned on to the fact that their party has been stolen from them. So we need to inform them and we need to get our side out so that the Democrats don't defeat us in one final, last, desperate gasp. Trevor. Well,
1: you said a lot. We know a lot. That, uh, or let me just get this one point out and then, Curtis, I'll let you go. Um, you said a lot because what you're seeing is the average American citizen is seeing the violence and the victory that is being pushed on us. Uh, and they're saying this is not how America functions. Because you had those kids that were sitting in a burger joint uh, down in San Antonio on Tuesday where a guy just out of the blue starts cursing them out throws a drink on one, snatches the other guy's Make America Great Again hat. And those kids are sitting there just as polite as can be, not fighting the guy, not cursing him back, just videotaped him. Fortunately, they got the assailant, because this is exactly what it was. It was an assault a keynote, Jimenez. And when they see things like that, they're saying, this is not how Americans treat each other. And I think this will be a pivotal turning point with the Democratic Party, which will bring them over to the light, the right. Go ahead,
3: Curtis. Yeah, look, like I think a lot of people already are turning. You know, there's a walkaway movement and, and other groups are, are bringing disaffected Democrats out of the party and either into the Republican Party or, or, or the independent column. So this, this is great. And this is why the Democrats are so absolutely fanatically over the top right now, because they are like cornered rats. They, they see their very survival at stake. If they lose the next oh, yeah. two elections, they'll they'll be finished for a very long time, a very Perfect. long time. So they're terrified. But you know, dead, cornered rats are dangerous rats, and okay. and we yeah, got to yeah, not, yeah, we we got to be vigilant. You know, we don't want to get complacent about this because if they win one more election, all their power comes back forever. But if they lose the next
2: two elections, they are in huge trouble. Trevor, we we know the master of deception still resides in D.C. He's been very quiet, but um, I know he's working behind the scenes now. I have my idea of what Obama's been up to. What do you think he's been up to? Yeah, I think
3: he's been working with the base helping to coordinate um a lot of the voter registration drives that have been going around the country that's their main weapon right now the, the big voter registration drives they're doing in the black communities latino muslim communities um through the southern states particularly so i think he's working with people like ben jealous who's uh competing for the governorship of Maryland and uh, Andrew Gillum who's working for the governorship of Florida and Stacey Abrams who's uh, uh, doing the same in Georgia and, and David Garcia who's, who's going for it in Arizona so yeah I think he's working with these candidates giving them advice steering money in their directions and, and working with coordinating the voter registration drives That that's what I think he's doing
1: well, he's been out giving speeches too, and some of the
3: speeches yeah, are just so yeah. crazy. Yeah, so yeah, he's he's, he's trying lost. To make himself you know, he, he look the, the 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 Democrats have gone completely to the left. There is no moderate Democratic Party now, and that Obama is, is saying what he really thinks. Max Headwaters is saying what he, she thinks. Chuck Schumer is saying what what he thinks. And 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 that's the ruling. That's the that's the mindset in the Democrat Party. Now they are not going back to the middle. They think they can win by energizing their 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 black, Latino, Muslim, gay, Native American, Asian American base, the Rainbow Coalition. And that's what they're putting all their money into, and all their and they're doubling down on that. And we got to make sure they don't they don't pull it off because if once they've lost that strategy, they've got nothing left.
0: Yeah,
1: and what I'm loving is listening to the talking heads on TV, and they're always talking about democracy, democracy, democracy. No one is <laughs> saying that we are a representative republic. We are a constitutional republic. We are not a true democracy, but. As the more they put that on the American mind, and everyone else starts parroting, saying, "Oh, we live in a democracy." No, we don't. So I, I, this is again where education is being co-opted, and people are being brainwashed to accept the new norm.
3: Yeah, yeah. So well, right. You know they don't. Yeah, they are. You know, well, if you if we live in a democracy, sure, you'd want to vote for Democrats, wouldn't you? But if you live in a republic, which we do, res publica, the thing of the people, a constitutional limited republic, you would probably tend to vote for a republican type of party, would you not? So, you know, it's all, it's all psychological. Um, they're dumbing down people to the point where they think democracy is is what it's all about. See, you know, Will Will Rogers used to say, you know, when he's talking about the old communist countries, you know, the German Democratic Republic and the the People's Democratic Republic of the Congo, he used to say, any country with democratic in its name isn't. And and that's true, you know, the the word democracy is really a, a, a communist word now. It means the will of the people. But the Communist Party are the people's representative, so it means the will of the people's representative, i.e. the Communist Party. So that's why the communists and the leftists and the democrats are going on about democracy all the time. That's what it really means. It really means socialism and communism
1: which is brings us back to the attack on the popular vote no the attack by the popular vote movement onto our on the,
3: uh, the electoral uh, college yeah
1: thank you yeah yeah
3: yeah like it was you know your founding fathers were very wise they they didn't want the country ruled by a pure democracy because they knew that would lead to mob rule you know 51% of 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 the country could dominate everyone else and boss them around so they did two things. They had, um, they they had an electoral college where the power was shared around the states. So the big states couldn't dominate the little states, and they gave every state two senators. You know, even if you're a little state like Rhode Island, you got as many state many senators as a big state like like Georgia, or 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 or, or California. And the idea was, no, we're not a democracy. We're a constitutional republic, and we believe in decentralized power and not having one group dominate another. And so they set up those two mechanisms to do that. Unfortunately, they lost a lot of the benefit of the, of the, uh, of, of the senators when they brought in direct election of senators, the um, 16th Amendment, I believe it was, because previous to that, 17th. senators were were appointed by the state. Seventeenth Amendment, sorry, um, but still it's still good that Rhode Island has as many senators as California. It's still good that um, you know Maine has as many senators as Massachusetts, because it shares the power around, and that's the beauty of the Electoral College as well, which is why the Democrats want to destroy the Electoral College. And and have a, the president elected by a pure majority, which would almost certainly mean that you'd only ever get Democrat president.
2: And you know, exactly. Trevor is 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 um is hard to explain to people who are not educated how the electoral college works because Democrats that I run into are saying. Um, why should I vote, you know, under this system of the electoral college when my, my vote don't count. And and I think we gotta educate people more because they're easy to um, be persuaded to get rid of something they don't understand. Yeah. You know, yeah. versus Once something they do understand.
3: understand. The in, right. Well they'd be so brainwashed and, into pure democracy, they they think it's unfair right. that you know, that you know, it, it's cheating if you have an electoral college and it should be just the will of the yeah. people, you know. And, and so we have a big problem there. And, and even some people on our side um, want don't to go understand to the electoral it. college. No, right. they don't. They you know, don't they understand it. You know, What it does is spread power around. So little rural places have as much power as big urban places, you know, because... Um, You you know, anybody who lives in rural California will tell you that their state is dominated by Los Angeles and San Francisco, which is why they take all their water and all their resources and shut down their irrigation whenever they want. You know, California used to have a system where their state legislature, they had one legislator from every county, no matter how big the county was. And that was great. It protected the rural areas. Well, they got rid of that. And now those states are completely dominated by San Francisco and Los Angeles. If you had the popular vote, if you're in Nebraska, you don't count. If you're in Iowa, you don't count. If you're in Arizona, you don't count. You only count if you live in New York or Chicago or San Francisco or L.A. or Boston. Those big cities would completely dominate the whole country. That is why your founding fathers were so intelligent by instituting a system where the power was spread out. And that's the message we need to to say that that you know power is best spread spread widely, and the best way to do that is to guarantee small rural areas have as much power as big big urban areas when it comes to comes to voting or for or disproportionately more. You know, and, and that's that's been a very, very good system for a couple of hundred years. They save their bacon on more than one occasion. And we need to fight to preserve that.
1: You know, there is a movement with the national popular vote and they've got right now the compacts that they're putting into place state by state. And I believe they just need ten more states where they can turn around and say that Whoever has the national popular vote, that is the way that state electoral college members will vote. Which then yeah. bypasses the electoral college. Actually using electoral college in on itself. Uh so yeah. it, it it's something that we have to be very careful with. Uh and well, I know try. we the stopped it doing, here the in the South trying Carolina in
3: around it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they're trying to do an end run around the national, uh, around the Electoral College, and that's got to be fought. And these are all things we need with that we can work to do when President Trump is reelected. You know, we can do things like push him to, you know, to strengthen the Electoral College. We can push him to abolish the Department of Education and get America out of the United Nations and all this good stuff. But we have to understand that first we have to make sure he wins 2018 and 2020 or otherwise none of that good stuff ever happens and a lot of bad stuff happens. So um, we've got to keep our eye on these things for long term, but we've also got to be very, very diligent and, and, and active in the short term as well to, to make sure we do have a long term future in this country.
1: Oh, absolutely. And now once Trump is reelected then we can look to move maybe abolish the seventeenth amendment so the senators are then elected, you know, by yeah. the state uh, the, the
0: state yeah, legislature. But I
1: say take it one one step further. Take their pay out of the federal government, have the state then Hold all their benefits, so the state itself will say, "Well, you're yeah. going to get this type of health care, and you're going to get this type of salary, and these are all your benefits, but it's coming out of the state budget." So that senator is yeah. beholden not to the federal government. They cannot vote for their own pay hikes and pay raises like they're doing now. It is the state yeah. itself that controls the purse string and the elected official.
3: Yeah, look, I 100% agree with that. That that's key. You know the sense. The, the, the congress was supposed to, the house of representatives was supposed to be the people's house that was the house elected by the people you know the senate was supposed to be the state's house where the senators were chosen by the state legislatures you know and and, and that was a very good system and that and, and when when we moved to having the senators directly elected by mass popular vote, That destroyed the power of the state. And it gave a whole bunch more power to the federal government. Well, I think that's been to America's great detriment. And I definitely support the repeal of the 17th Amendment. And as you say, Annie, if you're a senator, your salary gets paid by your state. And so it's in your interest that your state is very financially sound and um, and independent. And uh, you'll be looked after. Um, but uh having them chosen having them directly elected has, has been a disaster all around.
1: Well, one other thing they can do is make election day the day after you pay your taxes. So you pay your taxes on April fifteenth, <laughs> April sixteenth should be the election day. Because after you wrote that check you're going to double check your yeah. you're voting for when you go into the voting booth. How
3: does that sound? Uh, actually, and you shouldn't pay as you earn through the year. Everybody should write out a check at the end of the year. You know, one big fat check at the end of every year. Not taken out of your wages. Not, you know, bit by bit. You assess your tax at the end of every year. You write out a check. And I'll tell you what, if that happened taxes would be way, way, way lower than they are now.
1: It's amazing. Um am going to go a little bit of a different tack, tack uh, because Pruitt had stepped down from the EPA. And uh, I think yeah. it's a good thing he's done that prior to the midterm elections because uh, he was really a magnet for for the left.
3: Yeah, well, I, I think it is. It's just it was another way of bashing the president, and I think he's done the right thing to resign now. I don't think he ever did anything particularly egregious, but he did a lot of silly little things, and, um, you know, in expenditure, etc. And so he gave the left ammunition, and uh, he's fallen on a sword, and I think that's the best thing for, for all concerned right now. I just now, hope do you think that Trump- President Trump can appoint someone who's equally as like I I think Pruitt was excellent in his policy um that he is promoting and I, th- I hope President Trump can appoint someone equally as uh, equally as good to to the position.
1: Someone like maybe like Rick Perry or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um <laughs> but Do you think he'll ever do anything with Jeff Sessions? You know, again, we've got a DOJ that's totally dysfunctional.
3: Yeah, I I think in, in, in Jeff Sessions, I think is, I get more complaints about when I'm speaking around the country, I get more questions about Jeff Sessions than virtually anything else. You know, what is he doing? You know, why isn't he going after these people? Why isn't he prosecuting? Why isn't he being more aggressive? And... Uh, and, and maybe he's doing stuff behind the scenes, but uh, but he's he, this has got to be more out front. You know, the old adage, you know, justice must not just only be done, it must be seen to be done. And so uh, I think um, it's coming to the point where I think President Trump's going to have to replace him, maybe with someone like Giuliani, for instance, because um, he's really a bit more of a liability than an asset right now, I'm, I'm afraid
1: yeah because you know I would love to see Sessions fire Rosenstein and then step down in resignation That would take care of a lot of the problems we're seeing here with this Mueller investigation. you know that way you can replace Mueller and get get this thing completely thrown out but it it's a huge thorn in the side, and it's actually a thumb in the eye of the American people because you can't trust the FBI you can't trust the Department of justice there is no no trust in them at all.
3: No and I, and I think this is what Session should have done he should have he should have immediately fired a whole bunch of the leadership of these organizations and I'm hoping that President Trump will still do that at some point you know drain that swamp because um, for for the survival of the FBI which is a a, a magnificent organization it's got to be purged because the American public doesn't trust it anymore, and will only start trusting it again when the leadership is replaced, you know, if ever. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think Jeff Sessions really has to go. Um, he was—I've uh, always been a great admirer of him. I had—I expected great things from him, but I, I just don't think we've got them. And uh, this isn't time for shilly-shallying around, you know. We've—we've we've got a very limited opportunity. A very, limited window of opportunity to make significant changes in this country and we need people in power who are willing to make them and uh it doesn't just doesn't seem that jeff sessions is, is that kind of man
2: trevor no, i the, really the think that trump re- i really think that trump is you know being a strategist is waiting for the midterm elections to roll over um, in hopes that we we have more, you know, Republicans that can back him up, and at that that moment, yeah. I think he's going to fire Sessions. I really do. Well,
3: I thought he might do it now, you know. I thought he might have uh, done it in the last month, and uh, maybe not. But yeah, I, I think President Trump understands that right now he doesn't want to make any major moves. Just keep it steady. Mm-hmm. Keep, keep people confident. Win the elections, and then I think there's going to be another round of firings and reforms, and um, and 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 major happenings. So that's another reason why we should all be involved in these elections and make sure they go our way. Because I think there's going to be some very exciting and interesting things happen if President Trump has a has a more has a better majority in the Senate and a, and a, and more conservatives in the House. You you imagine if you had another four or five Ted Cruz's and and Mike Mike Lees and uh, Tom Cottons in the Senate, and a whole bunch more Julie Gomerts and, and <laughs> yeah 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 exactly you know, and so so you know if President Trump gets a second term, we could come out of that with a six three majority or even a seven two majority, in the Supreme Court. Now wouldn't that have huge implications for America's future.
2: Oh yeah, It would demoralize you the know. left to no ends. Oh, look at which
3: you know, it would just destroy them, um, you know, because they couldn't get anything through, and we would we could see a return to the Constitution in this country. You know, you just just the changes that we could have that are that are, are within our grasp if we can make sure this president is re-elected. You know, the possibilities are endless, but I know the downside if we don't. This is why I just sound like a stuck record. We've got to get involved. We've got to win the 2018 pre- uh, midterm. <coughs> We've got to win 2020. But the 2018 midterms are absolutely essential for this country's future. And anybody who thinks they can sit them out Really is not paying attention.
1: No, we we definitely cannot sit them out because right now there's a, going on a battle for the speaker of the house position because Paul Ryan said he's not going to he's stepping down, uh, and now the front runner Jim Jordan the left has been going after him hammer and tongs over this alleged uh, sex scandal in when he was yeah. a coach or whatever it was. Um, they're going to dig up anything and everything, even if it's not true. To attack us in yeah. this,
3: because
1: uh, they're hoping that they get the house back and put Pelosi in.
3: Yeah, that's right. And, and J- you know, Jordan would be a very, very dangerous opponent for them. You know, he's he's a, a real conservative. He's a, he's a very articulate. He's he's a good organizer, and he'd be a he'd be a great speaker of that house. So the left are going to back up anything they can to make sure that. Doesn't happen so that we get the wimpiest Republican possible, you know, another Paul Ryan or, or whatever, and uh, that disrupts our, our base. So, yeah, all of these things are, are very strategic, very important. You know, some alleged, uh, you know, colleague of of Jordan's when he was a wrestling coach was allegedly um, acting inappropriately and. Jordan allegedly didn't do anything about it, even though he denies even knowing anything about it. But that'll be enough to sow doubt, and and the left will seize on that and and do anything they can to destroy confidence in in Jordan. So, yeah, it's it's the way they work.
0: Well,
1: if, if that happens, what I'd love to see, which would be perfect, is to see Louis Gohmert step up and say, all
3: right. Yeah, Let's well, dance. he'd be fantastic, you know. Louis Gohmert would be great, um, Uncle Louis. He'd be fan- he'd be good. Um, you know, he's he's like a bulldog that man, and and I'd be happy with Jim Jordan or or Mark Meadows or or, or Louis Gohmert. There's there's plenty of people there who can do the job. It's just, uh, but Jim Jordan was the most likely one to succeed. I would have thought so. Yeah, look. You imagine if we had a decent Speaker of the House with another four or five good Conservatives in the in the House. You imagine if we could get another Speaker in the uh, another head of the Senate, with another four or five good Senators, and that, that's very possible in this election because there's more than twenty Democrats up for re-election. Um, you imagine if uh, we had another five or six Ted cruisers in there. You, imma- you Just imagine what President Trump could get done that he can't do right now because he has to rely on John McCain and Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins and Dean Heller, who all might as well be Democrats.
1: Well, I'm going to ask you one last question because I'm looking at the clock. We've got about five and a half minutes left. Um, There was a recent upset in New York, in a a district in Queens, uh, where this female socialist uh, ends up, you know, ousting the incumbent. Uh, Do you think that her getting nominated, her winning that primary, would be enough to turn that district in New York from blue to red? Just the fact that this socialist was able to usurp it?
3: No, no. Uh, I, I think she'll win. Um you know, see, see what what won her that election was her last name. See Joe Crowley who held the district, he, he's a socialist, he's a progressive leftist radical socialist, but he's old school. She's a young Latino woman, uh in a in a district that has gone heavily Latino, heavily minority, and the Democratic Socialists of America Marxists got out there with four or 500 door-knockers and door-knocked every minority household in the district and and told them to vote for her. It was a, it was a very classic operation. Most of the people had no idea she was a socialist. She was just a pretty young Latina Democrat to them who, who looked like them and spoke the same language they did. So... No, I don't think I don't think it will flip. They'd be quite happy with her usually. I think most of them would have no idea she's a Marxist or the significance of that. But see, this is tip of the iceberg. There's at least um, at least two hundred Democratic socialists of America members have run in this election cycle. A whole bunch of them have won. Um, they are taken over the Democratic Party all over the country everywhere from Nebraska to Texas to to New York. And the Bernie wing, the communist wing, is really becoming dominant in the Democratic Party now. So it was socialist, and now it's going communist. Um, and, And that's a trend you're going to see continue. And we don't want those people in power, because if they are, they will do what every other communist government does. They will seize work to seize power forever will smash their opposition and smash us. But if they keep them out of power, they'll go so far radical left, they'll just it themselves and destroy their own Democrat base. Um, so, yeah, oh. it's, it's, uh, she, she, she's just the tip of the iceberg, absolutely the tip of the iceberg.
1: Well, Trevor, it has been a pleasure having you. I'm sorry Valerie Greenfield was not here to join us because I had based everything about having the two of you having the conversation together. But hopefully she'll be able yeah, to join well, us again. Her agent has been trying to contact her, couldn't. But that's all right. We had you for the full two hours, which was a pleasure. Uh, give Victoria a hug and kiss from me. Um want to let you know that oh, in the description okay. it has a link to your webpage, which is your name, TrevorLoudon.com, because it doesn't allow me to put all the other links in. It limits me. But I figured that's the best way for people to get a hold of okay. you and see what you're doing and see the new movies you're, and documentaries you're coming out with.
3: Well, thank you very much, Annie. And good morning, guys, Yanni. And, uh, and uh, great talking to you as well, Curtis. Thanks for the questions. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll catch My up My pleasure. Soon. Well, All right, Trevor. Good, Thank you. and God day,
0: bless
1: guys. Uh, We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you. All right, Trevor Loudon, check him out on his website, TrevorLoudon.com. This man is, is busier than a one on paper hanger, I'll tell you. Uh, but we're going to be back here on Tuesday with Ellis Washington, and we're going to be talking about whoever Trump nominates uh, for SCOTUS and other issues. And then on Friday, we've got Larry Pat. Pratt from Gun Owners of America will be joining us, and Edison Walters that is running for District 22 out of Florida will also be joining us. We had Nicholas Kymatz Kim- on prior, so we're having him on uh, because that primary is coming up next month. So, Curtis, we got ourselves a lot going on, and you've got some people that you're going like to be lining up. Sounds like a good lineup. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: Sounds like a good lineup. It's going to be interesting. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I've got my second cataract surgery next Wednesday, uh, so we'll see how I hang out on Friday. It wasn't too bad last time. But until then, Curtis, I want to say thank you for all your help you do here. I want to thank everyone in the chat rooms, uh, great items that were being put up there, uh, everyone that was watching and everywhere else. So I leave you with our closing song, When the Roll is Called Up Yonder, and I say good night and God bless (laughs)